Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi coming off a good weekend of college football. Thank you for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, that's the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. You can book your tee time or plan your trip there again at DancingRabbitGolf.com. You want to be part of the conversation? Hope you'll join us on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do. Right here in C Spire country. Check availability now at cspire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. 30 seconds or less, and then we will blitz. Give me a, an opening thought, as we've done the last couple of weeks, from both of you guys on the college football weekend that was Michael Borky, you go first. I've got I've got a very strong take uh, that, that's going to lead us off today. Uh, winning is fun, and they should try to do the winning more often. That it's enjoyable. Winning amen is fun. and amen. Amen. First off, uh, Saints got your voice there, yeah, uh, they Michael did. Borky. I can tell that. <laughs> Secondly, uh, to quote one of my favorite movies, bacon is good. Pork chops are good. Okay, that's, that's how we'll start. Um, let's blitz. A bunch of 11 o'clock games, some that were really interesting, some like this one that were not. Florida hosting Missouri. Gators win. They're now 4-2 and two on the year. They secured it with a late interception, but that game kind of got buried in a bunch of other fun stuff that was happening at 11 a.m. Fun stuff like everybody that owns an orange shirt traveling to Baton Rouge and Tiger Stadium a bit of a Tennessee takeover in Red Stick. Ooh, it was loud. It was loud, loud in Tiger Stadium. 40 to 13 the final. Tennessee moves to 5 and 0, setting up a huge game this weekend on the third Saturday of October, a cigar game with Alabama. But Tennessee's pretty good. Tennessee was far from perfect in that game and yet they still absolutely dominated LSU on Saturday morning. So, firing your coach, getting an interim, 
generating some momentum seems to be a thing. Nebraska 14, Rutgers 13. Nebraska wins with its interim head coach. Rewinding to Friday night, did you guys happen to watch the end of Houston and Memphis? What a collapse that was. Wow. Two touchdowns. There was an onside kick that was recovered, setting up the go-ahead touchdown for Houston, potentially saving their season to get them to 3-3. What a gut-punch loss for Memphis. Houston 33, Memphis 32. Michigan is quietly rolling along. They are now 6-0 on the year after a 31-10 win over Indiana. I did a double-take when I realized that Indiana was 3-3. I kind of felt like they were worse than that. Candidate for game of the day, top 20 matchup in Lawrence, Kansas. College game day there for the Jayhawks hosting the TCU Horned Frogs. And it was the Horny Frogs making a play at the end, 38-31. The final, TCU gives Kansas its first loss of the season. Good news for Kansas, though. They've got the gift that keeps on giving this weekend. Salve for a wound. Oklahoma against Kansas this coming weekend. Speaking of Oklahoma, somebody forgot to tell them that the Red River shootout was this past weekend. Texas 49. Oklahoma nothing. Quinn Ewers was good. Texas was better. And Oklahoma downright bad in year one for Brent Venables. Game 22, we really shouldn't really shouldn't celebrate bullying like that. I mean, you know, those guys have feelings and fans. I have a stat of the day around that game during winners and losers that seriously might blow your mind. I can't wait. Keep, keep talking, Borky. I just want to hear more of that horse voice. <laughs> it, it actually it sounds Who good. I, I need to I need to just yell before I come on the show every day. <laughs> I bet he was much much worse when Taysom broke free. I bet oh he was close gosh. to losing it. I had a pleasant surprise this weekend. I did not think that four and one and twenty fourth ranked Cincinnati hosting one and four South Florida was going to be all that entertaining. Oh, contraire! Cincinnati won at twenty eight twenty four. By the way, guys, Nippert Stadium, that place is cool. What a neat environment for college football. Uh, Goodwin in the Big Twelve. It took a uh, a come from behind effort in the fourth quarter for Oklahoma State to get a 41-31 win over Texas Tech. Texas Tech not there yet. Oklahoma State undefeated. Big matchup coming up this weekend with TCU. The only blemish on Tulane's record that home loss to Southern Miss a couple of weeks ago. Tulane may be kicking themselves for that one. Green Wave hosted East Carolina. It's a pretty decent East Carolina team that's struggling as of late. Green Wave 24, East Carolina 9. Pittsburgh 45-29 over Virginia Tech. There's only one reason I would bring up this game. It's because Izzy Abanaconda went for 320 yards and six touchdowns in the game. You should have said slithered his way. Abanaconda slithered his way to... Come on, man. Puns. Ain't got My Abanaconda don't want none. Yeah! Navy has not been great this year. They are only 2-3 and three on the season. In fact, the last couple of years have been down for Navy. But this past weekend, Navy goes for over 400 yards on the ground in an absolute thrashing at home over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. 53-21 the final. Um, are we supposed to now take notice of UCLA? 
The Bruins win by 10 at home against the team that's supposed to be the physical team in the Pac-12. Charbonnet and company, not to mention DTR, really good. 42-32 and a home win at the Rose Bowl over Utah. Between the hedges on Saturday afternoon, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, not what it used to be. Georgia with the route, 42-10 over Auburn. In case you were wondering if they were going to cover, the answer was yes. 21 fourth quarter points for Georgia en route to the 32-point win. Fun game in South Florida. Somehow North Carolina, despite the fact that they play almost no defense, is a, a winner. 27-24 over Miami. Tar Heels are now 5-1 and one on the year. Fire your head coach, plug an interim in, part two. Arizona State 45, Washington 38. Huskies no longer ranked in the top 25. I'll get one we for you get for a, winners. Go ahead. we got to get Auburn on this program. Just not this week if it's all the same to you. No, no, no this, this is the week. This is the week. James Madison, in its first year playing FBS-level football, is 5-0, and and they are ranked in the top 25, 42-20. You know the stink of it? They're not eligible to play in a bowl game this year. How about back-to-back weeks for Jim Mora Jr. and the UConn Huskies? This time it was 33-12 over FIU. The Huskies are now 3-4 and on the season. Tough one on the road for Southern Miss. Troy 27, Southern Miss 10. Southern Miss led in that game 7-3. It did not go well the rest of the way. Southern Cal keeps on rolling. 30-14, the Trojans over Washington State. Pretty good day once again for Caleb Williams. Southern Cal has put themselves in a position where they could be a playoff team. And then get smoked by whoever they literally, are. Literally whoever they play. Whoever. In the battle of Mormons and Catholics in Sin City, it was the Catholics that emerged victorious, 28-20 over BYU. Notre Dame trying to put it together. They get the win by eight over the Cougs. In nomine patri, de fili, du spiritu santi, amin. Ugliest game of the weekend, part one. Kansas State in Ames, Iowa. Final score, 10-9. to nine. Oof. Ugliest game six. of the week. Ugliest game of the weekend, part two. Champaign, Illinois. Illinois nine. Iowa still can't score six. What's in What's in the corn in Iowa? My God. Clemson thirty-one to three over Boston College. It was close at the half. It was not close at the end of the ball game. Clemson Tigers are six and zero. Wake Forest bounces back with a forty-five ten win over Army. Alabama 24-20 over Texas A&M. Something tells me we'll spend a little time talking about that. How about five straight wins for Oregon? 49-22 this week over Arizona. Guys, is it time to revisit whether Bo Nix is a good quarterback? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And Oregon State 28-27 over Stanford. The Cardinal is 1-4. It is broken. In Palo Alto. Do you see and how that, that one ended? Is the blitz? What you got? Uh, Oregon State threw it into double Crazy coverage ending. on the sideline. Receiver beats both guys in a high point football. Catches it, runs to score with twenty seconds left. How's that to start the show on this Monday afternoon? 
What a weekend it was. That was 28 games. We've got two more that we're going to dive into quite deeply this afternoon. Mississippi State, a win at home. Ole Miss, a win on the road. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. The Pulse Pick 6 is growing each week by a significant amount each week. This time, 440 of you responded to the Pulse uh-huh. Pick 6. That's up from 365 last week, and the 365 was up from like 275. This thing is catching on. Quick summary, 88% of you picked Mississippi State to beat Arkansas. of you picked Troy to beat Southern Miss. 98% of you, 431 of 439 responses, picked Ole Miss over Vanderbilt. Only eight picked Vanderbilt to win that game. That is eight big-time Ole Miss haters right there to not pick the Rebels. Big time. Uh, 440 responses on Tennessee LSU. 75% 75% picked Tennessee to win that game. 75% of you were right. Out of 440 responses, 99.32% of you, all but three, picked Texas A&M to beat, I'm sorry, picked Alabama to beat Texas A&M. You were a decent play call away from being right. Three of you were almost the only ones correct. By the way, that would have made sorting the answers this weekend and the winners really, really easy. Uh, TCU got 64% of the responses over Kansas, and then we had a bunch of tiebreakers. So um, we'll, uh, we'll get into who won and what the tiebreaker was and all of that stuff uh, probably tomorrow. It's probably when we will uh, get that to you as well. What a weekend, guys. Uh, Borky, you, you led with this. It's fun in the state of Mississippi with what Mississippi State and Ole Miss are doing. Let's start with the Bulldogs, who got the win at home over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Hey, Dad, I just want to start this way, and then there's so many different directions we can go. Mississippi State has a dominant, I mean dominant, win over Arkansas. And yet, I thought Mississippi State was far from perfect in this game. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. State made a bunch of mistakes, had some penalties again. Rodgers threw a couple of passes that were very nearly intercepted. I'm not big on the whole near interception thing, but that kind of is what it is. Special teams errors raised their heads uh, again. And then defensively, they gave up a bunch of big plays. Now, luckily, you know the, the only defensive stat that matters is the points, and you only gave up 17 of those. You forced a couple of turnovers, which helped a lot. But, yeah, State did not play its best game, and yet won by 23 points, never trailed, uh, and, and basically dominated the game from the first series on. 
How do you grade Will Rogers on Saturday? Now, the SEC said SEC Offensive Player of the Week along with uh, Jonathan Mingo. I thought that was cool that two high school teammates now on opposite sides of the Egg Bowl rivalry uh, won that award. That's, that's, that's just cool to me. I thought he was really good. I, I mean, I would probably say B+. Plus. He had a, he missed a couple of throws here and there. Like I said, he had a couple of bad ones that he was lucky didn't go the other way. But but by and large, he was he he took what was given to him. Arkansas they decided to come back to Starkville with the same game plan they 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 unveiled two years ago. They were going to rush three and drop eight, and and Rogers was like, fine, we'll run the football, and when I have passes, I'll take them. And he, he worked them over pretty good. He had almost 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, completed 70-plus percent of his passes. I, I don't know what more I could have asked for out of him. So I understand that there are people that still go back to what Mississippi State did against LSU three years ago when LSU said, we're going to man you up and, right. and, and just pick them apart. I don't think you can employ any more this only rush three on Will Rogers. I agree. You, you are now facing the quarterback who has the highest completion percentage in the history of the Southeastern Conference. You cannot give him time. In fact, I think the only recipe to beat Mississippi State at this point is to get pressure on Will Rogers. I think that's the Agreed. only way you can. Now, does that mean that you can only go man-to-man defense and you're rushing four, you're rushing five? No, that's a recipe for design. But guy, you better give him a bunch of different looks, and you better bring pressure from a bunch of different places. And the other thing to consider is, think about a, you know, a couple of years ago when all this was happening, how easily guys got to the quarterback with mm-hmm. rushing just three. I mean, it was, it was almost every snap. They'd rush three, but they would still get pressure every single time. This offensive line, these last two games, no sacks. No sacks whatsoever. And then they've run the ball as successfully as they ever have. Another huge day on the ground for Mr. State. Finally got a 100-yard rusher under Mike Leach. It only took two and a half years. So if they're going to block like that and, and Rodgers is going to throw like that, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to beat them. 51,930. I, I don't care how many were actually there. Here, that, That's what's on the, the official box score. That, that's what Mississippi State has on its final box box score. One, I thought the crowd looked know. a little bigger than that. And number two... I don't think you're looking at the right one. I, I'm looking at the Mississippi you're State. Right. It says 57849. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I stand okay. corrected. I had That's the, A&M, isn't it? I had it pulled up against A&M. I'm sorry. I had the wrong one pulled okay. up. There we go. You're good. You're good. 57849. Well, and, and the point that I was making there was if that's all that were there, it looked and sounded a whole lot bigger than that. That's almost full. 57,849. That's a really yeah. good crowd. Mississippi State fans responded, and it sounded spectacular on television. Yeah, great crowd. I think when you when you look ahead to next year, you know one of the biggest spots that were empty are those two corners of the east side upper deck. I bet those will be turned into balconies next year and sold the same way they were this year, and you'll get people up there. So, yeah, people responded, and now you have three weeks before you have to worry about coming back. Plenty of time to get ready for the two huge games with uh, with Auburn and Georgia. Yep, those will be the uh, what two of the final three home games. Uh, for Mississippi mm-hmm. State, they got Auburn coming in on November 5th and Georgia coming in on November 12th. Final home game will be against East Tennessee State on November 19th, and then it's the Egg Bowl in Oxford on Thanksgiving night. Um, I want us to spend the majority of our time looking back today, but I don't think we can help but look ahead a little bit. 
Mississippi State is five and one. They are two and one in the SEC. I spent all of last week thinking that I was going to tell you that I think Kentucky is going to win against Mississippi State in Lexington on Saturday night. And there's a reason. Mm-hmm. It's because I thought Mississippi State was going to be walking into an absolute hornet's nest. I thought Kentucky was going to win against South Carolina. I was wrong about that. I do think it'll still be a good Saturday night environment. I just don't think Kentucky's good enough to beat Mississippi State with the way the Bulldogs are playing right now. And that's why that line has jumped. It was three and a half when it opened on Sunday. Now it's seven. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we don't know about Will Levis yet. I, I would expect him to play at this point. But State's just playing at a really high level. They're playing well on all in all three phases of the game. And if they're going to run the football like this, they're just going to be incredibly difficult to stop. And, and, this and is... the other thing we know is Kentucky can't block anybody. And State is getting pressure on these teams. I I really wonder how, how Will Levis is going to hold up because I think State's going to bring a ton of pressure against this Kentucky offensive line. You remember Borky late in the Ole Miss game? Kentucky had the their right tackle go down, yeah. and not the finest moment. Ole Miss fans booing the guy because oh, they're trying to slow things down at the end of the ball game. He was hurt, yeah, hurt to the point that he couldn't play this past weekend either. And so, an offensive line that going into that game two weeks ago against Ole Miss had given up sixteen sacks. One of their starters was gone, and they got worse on the offensive line. I think Hate adds on to something, but we'll spend so much more time going into the Mississippi State-Kentucky matchup, the Ole Miss-Auburn matchup as the week goes along. Borky, I know you watched every snap of that on Saturday. What was your takeaway? Um, Two things. One, there were a couple of spots where the game felt a little... Not dicey, but like Arkansas scored a touchdown late in the first half, and you thought, hmm, maybe they got something here. State comes out of the locker room, forces a three, and out scores a touchdown. And then later in the second half, Arkansas scores, and State immediately responded with a touchdown. Yeah. So so even when things got a little uncomfortable, it's like they, they turned it on again and kept the distance. Um, and I was surprised, too, that, that Arkansas didn't go with clearly the better athlete at quarterback to alleviate some of the pressure issues. I mean, he was the better player, Crazy. better passer, everything, but it didn't matter. I mean, it, it, it should be encouraging for State fans that two weeks in a row, you were the better football team and you were at home. And you weren't perfect, but you played well and were in control against two division opponents two weeks in a row. How many times this offseason did we talk about the inconsistencies of a Mike Leach coach team? Yeah, they'll cut, they'll get up and beat somebody, and then they'll have a letdown the next week. They'll, they'll they'll go to Tiger Stadium and beat LSU, but then they'll you know they'll do all this stuff. And yes, they do have that loss to LSU. That was I'm talking about 2020, but that that's that's multiple division games in a row where. You thought, look, if State plays well, they're going to win. They're the better football team. And not only did they play well, they controlled everything. Uh, from from start to finish in that game, yes, Arkansas is down kind of bad right now, but that's still significant. Let's look at the numbers from Saturday for Mississippi State and their win over Arkansas. We'll do that coming up next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
Ricky said he's got a stat of the day for you when we get to winners and losers. I've just got a stat of the day for you right now. It's a Will Rogers stat. And by the way, there are a bunch of them. Like, you want to start doing a stat dump on Will Rogers, it will take you a while. I think this one is good. Will Rogers is averaging one interception per 94 pass attempts. <laughs> is that good? Three interceptions well, what's funny on about that? 282 <laughs> pass attempts. Like an average quarterback, that would be, you know, in an average, a regular system, that would be maybe one interception every three games. It's it's more like it's it's you shave a game off. That said, it's pretty good. And one of those interceptions uh, hit his receiver in the hands two, and the ball. Two, two, two of, of those interceptions are not his fault. One is. Now, the, the balance side of that, if you just want to have fun with numbers and be like, oh, wow, there have been – a handful that have been dropped, and, and yeah. hey, Dad, you you pointed out earlier. You know, let's yeah. not get into the it was it almost or should have been an interception game, and I agree with you on that. Who knows yeah. how that shakes out? Bottom line is, will Rogers' accuracy when he has time to throw, and I don't just mean time standing in the pocket. He's turned into a his pocket awareness is really good. He can move around a little. He can move around a little. You know, it was watching it right now. If you're watching a Super Talk TV, this touchdown that was it. to Wally. That was one, yeah. the, the, other, the other touchdown to Austin Williams, he moved around a little bit and found him. Uh, he, he's been able, you know, again. And, and this that is was one, we one talked, that should have know, been few, intercepted, by the way. Look, I, I thought it was, to be honest, as soon as it left his hand. Uh, but we, we talked when State State committed that uh, the kid, the Parson kid, right? We're like, wow, what would this offense be? And this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about a quarterback just you know, taking off and running. We're talking about a quarterback who can make plays like that, and there's the Austin Williams touchdown, where he can just escape and keep the play alive and keep his eyes downfield. That's a dangerous weapon, and Rodgers is finally showing that off. I want to point something out, going back to something Borky said in the previous segment about you know the last two games, especially State, every time they've given up a score, they've been able to respond to it. If you go back to the LSU game, when they, they were down 24-16, Tula Griffin takes a kickoff return, down to like the ten yard line, it just gets called back on a penalty, and that blew all the uh, the air out of the balloon. But State was looking like they were going to respond again there. In every yeah. game, they they responded for the most part until they were just out of gas against LSU. I said we'd look at the numbers. I think there are a couple of things that that really stand out. Number one, <laughs> Mississippi State ran the football thirty seven times, and not one of those runs belonged to Will Rogers. Not one. No. 17 no. carries for Dylan Johnson, 16 carries for Woody Marks. Jernigan had three carries. Price had a carry late. So 37 rushing attempts stands out to me, first of all. But on top of that, Mississippi State did not have a single, not one, negative rushing yard play in the game. Not one. Never mind there were not even any sacks. Nobody was ever tackled behind the line of scrimmage under any circumstance. And this is what this is what should happen when somebody only puts three guys on the defensive line and just stays with that all game. Five on three, you should be able to do this all game long. Two years ago, they couldn't, and it was an embarrassment. Now it's no problem whatsoever. Looked like Barry Odom was scared of his secondary and coached like it. 
<laughs> he, he was willing to give up uh, yards and, and all that. That and maybe that's not at all what happened, but that's what I kept thinking watching the game was Odom is terrified to send a fourth body because then they'll just get wrecked. I mean, they they can't tackle in space, they couldn't cover, and they couldn't get to him either. So it's you know, what do you do? Do you send guys and then get picked apart, or do you drop a bunch back and and hope that somebody gets there? It didn't matter. Whatever decision he made was gonna not work, but it did mm-hmm. look like he was kind of scared of his secondary and coached like it. I think there are only two players on the defense that you worry about for Arkansas, and they're both linebackers. It's it's Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool. Drew Sanders has 16 yeah. tackles. Bumper Pool has 14 tackles. I, I don't know that there's anybody else you're worried about. No, nah, there there really isn't. They can't really cover on the defense. back end. And and uh, yeah. so so what have we talked about with Arkansas? So they, I think there was a pretty massive error in the game plan for Arkansas, because they have gotten to the quarterback, right? A bunch of sacks with a ton given up. And in the pick-your-poison game, they decided, okay, we're not going to get our guys killed on the back end, we hope. We're only going to rush three, probably not going to get home, not with the way Mississippi State's offensive line is playing. But they never put any pressure on Will Rogers. And I think, I I know I'm going to sound like a broken record this week, I think the only way you give Mississippi trouble is if you pressure Will Rogers. From different areas, too. It's not like just send four, but like be creative. Because if you just send four. That's what LSU did. Yeah. So. Yeah. LSU showed a a ton of different looks. They rushed four, they rushed five, they rushed six. They they pressured up the middle, they pressured off the edge. They did everything through the entire book at Will Rogers, and it worked. He he did not handle it particularly well. I don't know if Kentucky can do that. I know that Alabama can. So we'll see what happens there in two weeks. But this week. I mean, I think offensively and up front on both sides of the ball, I think State has the advantage again on both sides of the ball. Especially on the defensive line. Um, yeah. yeah. And I guess we'll get to that game later this week, so I'll stick with this one with this question. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, because I had somebody text me on Saturday that said, if Jefferson plays, it's a different story, and I thought maybe, but I think the result in the win-loss column remains the same. I don't think a healthy KJ Jefferson takes a forty to seventeen loss and turns it into a win. No, it's a closer game. Closer game for sure. He would have made some throws. I mean Hornsby, what an interesting stat line. He's ten for twenty three but two hundred and forty yards. I mean when he when he did complete passes they were huge yards per completion. Yeah, I mean you'll take that, but you know, I think KJ would have been closer to like, you know, 15, 16, 17 out of 23. So then maybe, you know, maybe it makes a difference. But I think State, they, they could pretty much score when they wanted against this Arkansas team. So I, I think they would have just, they would have just outscored them. I still want to see more. And, and you can tell me I'm crazy, hey, Dad, because you've been saying you think this offensive line is going, was going to be good enough and they've turned into more than just good enough. But, I want to see more than what they've done in the last two weeks against Texas A&M and Arkansas. Now, based on what we saw from Texas A&M in terms of getting some pressure uh, with, I don't know, it's still a young defensive line for A&M, I'm anxious to see, this may not even be a fair statement, I want to see if Mississippi State's offensive line 
not can dominate, but can hold its own against Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. Because I think those are the three teams left on the schedule for Mississippi State that have the ability to put pressure semi-consistently on Will Rogers. Yeah. Sir, no, no offense, but certainly Alabama and Georgia. Ole Miss, probably the case as well. I mean, they're, they're a good defense. Yeah. So I mean they're I mean they're giving up fourteen and a half points per yeah. game. That's third in the SEC. Auburn is and Auburn's a, defensively Auburn is not awful. They've got a first they, they, round they, they pick can, they that can plays play. up front at Auburn. Yeah, Derek Hall's a beast. Yeah, they they got guys there. So yeah, that's that's the real test is coming for state. No question. The, the the three biggest games on the schedule are coming up, and that'll determine good season from great season. Um, but right now, like he's like you said, they're playing at a very high level. But yeah, you do want to see consistency. You want to, and and you have the big question: What are you going to do when Dollar Bill is ready to play? Do you do you try to fix what ain't broke, or do you do you bring him back? And I don't know what you do there. I don't. I would Jason not. Jason Columbus bring says him he's back. been Wally Pipped. You, you don't change a thing. I really feel like that. I don't know what you, I don't know what you can do. It, it, I hate it for him, but I don't know what you can do. I wouldn't make a change. You you do nothing. That's what you do. You just keep on playing. Uh, Tony and Clara from an Ole Miss fan and supporter state looks really good with a couple of exclamation marks. When they add consistency, they'll be tough for anyone. See, I, I think they're in the process of doing that. I mean, if, if consistency is what you're looking for, then maybe you are anxious to watch this Saturday. Yeah, what an opportunity Saturday night is. Yeah, you make it three in a row against teams that, crazy enough, all three of these teams will have been in the top ten at some point this year. If you beat them all, I mean, that's that's pretty good consistency. Yeah. You're six and one at that point. You feel really good about getting eight wins, beating Auburn and East Tennessee State, and then it's those other three games. You know, what do you do against Georgia, Alabama, and Ole Miss? That determines everything else. I want to push back on a message from Hunter, and and, and there's a reason. He says the Ole Miss defensive stats will probably look different when they start playing teams with a pulse. Maybe. But, Hunter, we're halfway through the season and they're undefeated and they're giving up an average of 14.5 points per game. At some point, the defense deserves some credit. They've been really good. In the same way that I have no tolerance for, well, Mississippi State played Arkansas without K.J. Jefferson. Injuries happen in football and sometimes you catch breaks. You just play the schedule that you have. And the schedule that Ole Miss has was perfect for what was a young and new team coming into the season, and the schedule that Mississippi State has played, well, it's helped them get to 5-1 and one on the year with a chance to get to 6-1 and one on Saturday night. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to, back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Just taking a peek at the ceasefire text line. Sometimes when I read a message, I can't help but see what the previous message sent was. This one falls into that category. Ceasefire text line open to you, 601-879-4395. This feels like a we believe year for Ole Miss. Previous message came on August 23rd. Bold prediction. Ole Miss quarterback situation doesn't work out, and they only get six wins. 
Well, I got six. Got to go over the rest of the way. <laughs> we'll we'll see where it goes from here. But they they got six. That's still it's still it's still a valid prediction. It is it is altogether possible at this point. The odds are uh, not in your favor, though. They're not. They're not. All right. So Hunter said. Yeah, we were talking about Hunter's message before the the break, and and he said he agrees. And state schedule has not been the toughest either. He says Ole Miss has done what they have to do. I just think the back half of their schedule is tougher. I think we can all subjectively agree that the second half of Ole Miss's schedule is more difficult than the first half of its schedule was. Yeah. However, however, maybe I'm the only one. But the way I look at the final six games of the year for Ole Miss on the 10th of October is a whole lot different than the way I looked at the last six games of the year for Ole Miss on the 1st of September. No doubt. I mean, LSU's down tremendous. One of their offensive tackles is going to miss the game. They've got injuries everywhere. Uh, Spoiler alert, the guy that couldn't throw the football down the field accurately in the Pac-12 can't do it in the SEC either. I know you're shocked by that, but uh, Brian Kelly apparently is surprised by that development. LSU not good right now. Ole Miss will not go into a packed and loud and drunk Tiger Stadium at 2.30 next weekend. Arkansas injuries are just piling up and piling up and piling up. And even, I mean, the same applies for Mississippi State. Even Alabama. I will not predict a win over Alabama for either one of these teams. But they look malleable. They've got issues. Even absent missing Bryce Young, they've got issues. They don't protect particularly well. The running back room for Alabama's just okay. Uh, For Alabama, again, perspective is needed. Wide receivers, again, for Alabama are just okay. Now, what? Every other school in the SEC would trade for theirs, basically. But still, they're vulnerable, more so than they have been in years past. Agreed. And State does have the FCS team remaining, and both teams have Auburn remaining. But State has three top ten teams left. Yeah. Jeez. Life in the SEC. so, So I was talking with somebody earlier today about Alabama, and he said, this Alabama team's good. They're good enough to win it all. We may be talking about another championship team for Alabama, but this is not a vintage Alabama team. No. Will Anderson, I mean, I know the numbers don't back it up, but he still may be the most disruptive player in college football. He had 11 quarterback hurries or quarterback pressures on Saturday against Texas A&M. By the way, we've also gotten the introduction of the, uh, the cheetah packages. Just pick an animal and call it something. That's the uh, that's the package when Alabama goes with Will Anderson, obviously a really good outside linebacker, and Chris Braswell and Malachi Moore. You've got three like stupid uh-huh. legit linebackers all on the field at the same time. Saying go I, mis- I misunderstood you. I, th- I thought you were referring to their recruiting practices. Yeah, the, the, the cheetah. Cheetah. Well, they use the cheater package to get the cheetah package. Oh, there's no cheating yeah. in college football anymore. Yeah, right. Level playing field. Now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not level, but at least it's, 
you know, people don't have to pretend that. Well, except for A and M, they pretend. It's not, it's not in the slimy shadows. Still pretend. There, there's there's a little more light that it's, shines. It's in the slimy daylight. Yes, yes. Indeed. By the way, I, I should have gone back and clipped it. I called it. Did Did you hear Jimbo Fisher today talk about? Because since Alabama played a backup quarterback, he said today, "Well, we played a backup too." I told you that no, was no, coming. You no, you didn't. No, you you didn't. played the guy that after the spring and the summer and training camp, you picked to be your starting quarterback, and he stunk. <sighs> that was not your backup, Jimbo. That was the guy you prepped all summer and fall to be your starter. Mm. But I knew that was coming. At least it was a great play call on the final play. <sighs> Yikes. Like sometimes when a Twitter mob gets going, I don't always agree with it. I'm like, okay, it's not, but no, I agree with it. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk, brought to you by... I'm sorry, let me just start that all over. Hi everybody, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Time Out Lounge. Visit them at pearlriverresort.com. Sports Talk Mississippi, brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Dot com. They will help you look your best, not just on fall Saturdays. They can certainly help with that. With the Collegiate Collection, whether you're headed to Oxford or Starkville or Hattiesburg, get uh, get great-looking shirts and pullovers with your team's logo on them and not those big, ugly, gaudy logos. We're talking about classy, high-end stuff. It looks fantastic, but uh, not just on game days. You can check them out uh, for every day. Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line open to you at 601-879-4395. Meet the authority team from Ceasefire Business. Gain the IT expertise you need to tackle your toughest challenges and find new opportunities. Learn more at ceasefirebusiness.com. Monday, just after 4 o'clock, winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never wins. And a winner never wins. What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? We put the winners on one side and the losers on the other. We'll take your suggestions, your submissions on the ceasefire text line again at 601 879 Four three nine five. First up for me on the winners list. Uh, when you set an all-time school record, think you deserve to be there. That is uh, Jonathan Mingo. He was absolutely sensational for Ole Miss against Vanderbilt on Saturday. Two hundred forty-eight receiving yards. That broke the uh, the record that was previously set by Elijah Moore at Vanderbilt a couple of seasons ago. And, uh, you know, if you could play Vandy every week, I guess you probably would uh, would take that. 
Um, but, a, but a big day for Jonathan Mingo. Nine catches, 247 yards. I said 248. 247 yards, two touchdowns. He was targeted 11 times in the ball game. Cool story to see him healthy and to see him performing. It took a while for Jonathan Mingo. Right in 2020, it felt like he was having his kind of coming out party. Went for over 100 yards against Kentucky, but there wasn't the consistent follow-up. He had the injury a year ago, and now to see him as the feature receiver in this Ole Miss offense uh, and performing as well. He leads the SEC with yards per catch, and he leads the SEC in total yards receiving as well. It's been a really good season so far for Jonathan Mingo. He's at the top of my winner's list. Brian Haydad, give me a winner. I want to give a shout-out for, for a game we're probably not going to spend too much time on, but the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game. It's mm-hmm. maybe the smartest play I've ever seen in my entire life. Texas Tech tries an onside kick. They recover said onside kick. But Oklahoma State quickly called for a fair catch on the onside kick, and they get the ball. And that's the most brilliant thing. I didn't even know you could do that. Was the and ball popped worked. up into the air? I, I read about yes. this, but I haven't seen Okay, so it was... a. So it's got to be popped up, I guess. He can't, yeah. can't be dribbling. Once but the ball touches the ground, up. you can't call for a fair catch. He threw an arm up. Texas Tech gets it. They think they've got the ball back. They do not. That's one of the – I don't even know the player's name. My apologies for that. But that's one of the smartest things I've ever seen on a football field. I love Borky, it. winner. Oklahoma State's a spoiler. Uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill had nine <laughs> carries Three of which went to the house, won the game sealer, 61 or 66 yards, either one. I was way up in the corner behind. I I don't remember. It was hard to even see where the ball was spotted from where I was sitting. Came in, threw a touchdown pass as well. Also threw the key block that sealed the game for a Camara first down run and the Seahawks were out of timeouts and returned three kicks. I mean, just an outstanding football player. And I love the way they used him as a compliment to Dalton as opposed to, like, giving him multiple series in the course of a game. It was, all right, Taysom, here, going to do a couple things in the run game. And then they gave a little misdirection. He threw one over the top, and, like, that was it. It was very – you know he's going to run, but it wasn't as predictable as you've seen in the past. It was creative, and, and it worked, and he's a special football player and they needed him because they weren't winning without him. How about a winner that rolls into a loser? I, I think I can go right. two birds with one stone here. So I was watching simultaneously Kentucky, South Carolina, and Alabama, Texas A&M from Kitty's Sports Bar in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, you, you walk out the door and you were looking directly at the, the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium. Um, so... I thought there was a really good piece of storytelling and insight from the broadcast crew, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubelik, about Rick Scangarello, the offensive coordinator, and the way they script plays and the way they stick to them and how it's a little bit different than the way other teams do, that Scangarello is not building 10 plays that he wants to have success with or 12 plays that he wants to have success with to start the game. If they have success, fine, but everything about what they do on the first however many scripted plays they run, is about figuring out what the defense is going to do in certain situations to be able to set other things up down the line. 
And then they went on later to illustrate that they had run a toss pitch earlier in the game. Linebackers went with the play, and then on Kentucky's first touchdown, they faked the toss pitch to draw the linebackers out of the play, and they hit the tight end on a, uh, on a, a hot route. I thought that was very insightful. I thought that was good television. That's a winner. Here's the loser. An offensive coordinator that throws away an entire quarter of the game just to figure out what the defense is doing when he's got a backup quarterback instead of calling plays to give his quarterback success and an opportunity for confidence early in the ball game. If you watched that game for the first 25 minutes, you thought, clearly Kentucky is better than South Carolina. But they didn't call plays consistently enough that gave themselves a chance to win that football game, and they're behind, and they're behind, and then pop, pop, now they're really behind, and they can't do anything. So congratulations on knowing what the defense is going to do in certain situations. Wonder what it would have been like if you had called plays that maybe gave you a chance to be ahead early in the game. So, yeah, Rick Scangarello, cool story, you're a loser. Why not just watch film? I don't know. Tend to give yeah. away some tendencies there every now and then. It was yeah. as right. frustrating we'll of an offense as you could watch. We'll go with another winner. Will Rogers continues to make a wish is getting a big check, big check at the end of the year thanks to Will Rogers. Now the SEC, the SEC completions record at twenty eight games, guys. He has at least twenty more starts. At least he could take a COVID year and then he would have thirty three more starts. That record's going to be so far out of, of reach. I mean, nobody, it's going to be like starts, in Pluto. That's more than he's had so far. Yeah, it's very possible he could have that. Um, and what we talked about a little bit on the podcast. I mean, right now he's on a track to be the second leading passer in all time in college football history. That's, that's Mississippi State. That if you combine, that, if you combine the last five quarterbacks, that extra year. That is with playing the extra year. Okay. Which I, I don't know that he won't do or not. I would be willing to bet if you added up Fitzgerald, Prescott, Ralph, Russell. <laughs> I mean, those guys all combined might not have the yardage to get there. It's it's it's, it's he's a lot of fun to watch, and he's starting to to get a little national buzz here and there. So they just got to keep winning to keep his name in there. Borky, I will leave it up to you, winner or loser. Your call. Uh. <laughs> Here's your stat of the day. It, don't look, and you may already know this. How many teams scored zero points in college football on Saturday? Oh, I do know this. I know of one. Oklahoma was the only team in college football to get shut out on Saturday. The only Mm -hmm. team in college football to get shut out was Oklahoma. Remember when some media, Kirk Herbstreet, and some people in this state, uh, told you that the only reason why Ole Miss won 10 games last year was Jeff Lebby was just lifting the whole program up and he was doing it all on his own? Yeah, it doesn't really look like that now, does it? Was that not true? Apparently not. Apparently not, because that offense and the defense and that program is a disaster at the moment. Speaking of only 20 more games, that's how many Venables probably has. 
Ooh, maybe, maybe less. Maybe they get some bowls. <laughs> they're not. They're not giving him a third year unless they wins ten games next year. No chance. They're not going to the SEC like that. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll be back. We'll get your winners and losers coming up next. To Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> On Super Talk Mississippi. This is uh, a loser. John from New Albany on the ceasefire text line. A grown man goes by the name Jimbo. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I don't know if that's fair because we, we. I have a friend who is There's a, lots a of Jimbos frequent, in the world. Yeah, frequent contributor to this show that has been Jimbo for. I mean, I guess his whole life. I've known him for like thirty years. He's certainly been Jimbo for that entire time. I need y'all to settle a debate between me and my podcast partner, Robbie Falk. I want y'all's opinion. Robbie. Yes, you were complaining. Robbie wins. Are you serious? Somebody asks your opinion and you say, ah, I didn't really care for it. That's complaining? No, no I was just That's saying Robbie wins because... No, I, oh, okay. I actually, I, I actually heard this conversation. I, I listened to, um, I, I listened to Thunder and Lightning and the the recap of the show yesterday while I was mowing right. the grass late yesterday right. afternoon. Yeah, and uh, no, I, I don't think you are complaining if uh, if somebody's like, "Hey, what's wrong?" and you tell them. Now, yeah. if if you were walking around with a sour look on your face, com- which uh, I wasn't. Well, he he said you were. Which I was not. Okay. Well, that's just my normal face. That's, yeah, I mean, right. Fair enough. But no, so Borky, if you missed it, the breakfast at the in the in the press box, uh, there was just I just didn't like it. It was it was hash browns and biscuits and gravy. There was no bacon, no sausage. I was just like, eh, I'm gonna skip. And so as I'm walking away, Robbie's like, "You're not gonna get any breakfast." I was like, "Eh, nah, I don't think I am. I, I'm not not too, not too thrilled with what they got there." And he starts going off of me for complaining. He asked my opinion. There's no. I'm not complaining if you ask my opinion. Yeah, if he, why if why he is it any business of his if you were actually eating or not? Huh. You'd think you'd want me to miss a meal. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. Okay. So, I had a delicious French dip sandwich for lunch later. Though. Let me ask you this. If, um, if there had been some pulp smoked sausage out there with that breakfast, would you have then partaken? I had a plate full. I had a plate full yesterday. Mm. It was good. Mm. Oh, uh, a texter wants to inform us that Brian Haydad's not allowed to uh, speak his mind on this program. So, sorry, Haydad. Any, anytime Haydad shares an opinion, I just mic off. Don't let him. See? Now he's sharing an opinion right now, and I'm, I'm not letting him. So, mm. you're back. Is this on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, let's see here. Some of your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line. This was a good one. Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, uh, those guys both get hits in their final at bats of St. Louis Card uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. 
and were recognized accordingly, and that was cool. Cardinals go down in two games, or was it three or two? It was two games, wasn't it, to the Phillies? Yeah. So you got Phillies Braves coming up in the uh, NLDS. So for the Cardinals fans out there, bummer for the season to end that way. But yeah, that was a that was a cool way to see the careers for uh, Pujols and Molina come to an end. Uh, winner Bryce Young. His absence more than proved his value. They won't beat Tennessee without him. No, they won't. Uh, Hendon Hooker's really good. This weekend was a nice exercise in. Uh, how bad teams are without their guy. I mean, even Alabama without Bryce Young and like seven, five stars behind him in the quarterback room. When Bryce Young's away, when you have a guy that doesn't prepare as the guy, it's, I mean, this is obvious, right? You guys know this, but it's different than any other position because mm-hmm. one guy's taking all the reps in practice. At running back, four guys are. At wide receiver, 10 guys are. At offensive line, eight guys are. Quarterback is one. You prepare one guy to play, and when that guy can't play, you saw the drop-off. And he's not as talented as Bryce Young either. Now, I know he's electric in the open field, but so much of what they ran the other night was one-read stuff, and it was either it's there or it's not, and if it's not, go make a play with your feet. This may be unfair without really knowing what happens inside Alabama's program. I didn't think Milrow looked as prepared as he should have for that game. No. No. And I know it's hard to – I mean, Kentucky's quarterback didn't look incredibly prepared. Borky's making a good point, right? I mean, it's hard to be the backup quarterback and step in and and not have a drop-off. We've just kind of gotten spoiled by it in some high-level situations with really good teams in recent years, right? Jalen Hurts to a Tonga Vailoa. Who was it before – Trevor stepped in at Clemson. Kelly, uh, Kelly, Bryant. Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant was a good quarterback. Took him He's to a playoff. as Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So we've seen a few examples in recent years where the backup steps in and the team gets arguably even better at a place even like Alabama. I'm not taking much away... From You can think I'm crazy about this. I'm not taking much away from Alabama or Texas A&M. My opinion of, of both of those teams changed almost zero on Saturday night. Because the best player in the country, arguably, didn't play in the game. Alabama turned it over four times and missed two field goals. And that gave A&M a chance with, like, a crazy miracle catch and a couple of penalties to have a play to win it. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. Didn't really change anything for me with either of those teams. I feel like Alabama's really good but not perfect, and I still, still think A&M's very average. Then a loser. Coach Eddie Robinson, Jr., Put your hands on primetime? What are you thinking? That guy has brought more positive publicity to the SWAC than anybody, maybe ever. He's not SWAC, though. And you're it's good. He's not, whatever. Whatever. Eddie I Robinson thought that was Jr. said really he's not SWAC enough. 
really Bush League, and I don't think I, I, I hate to speak for him, but I don't think his dad would have appreciated that. It's not the same Eddie Robinson. Is it not? I don't think so. I don't. Oh, now I got to know. Well, regardless, correct. I don't think his dad would have appreciated. Regardless, I didn't regardless say his dad was the famous one. Is. I just said his dad would not have appreciated it. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Born in New Orleans, I'm gonna be really surprised if this isn't his dad. Uh, let's see here. But he went to Alabama State, so I don't know. Winner, Mississippi State running backs. They kept State completely balanced offensively. Winner, Will Rogers on breaking the career completions record. Winner, Brandon High School. They're good. Uh, Where is it? Where's the message that goes with this? There it is. Home of both Mingo and Rogers. Talking about Brandon High School. Loser, me for picking Kansas and Southern. That wasn't a bad pick. That was a great game. An objectively great game. Kansas and TCU yeah, Kansas had a goal, man. Pick. That was a good game. You're just on the wrong side of it. It's fine. Loser, Memphis coaching staff. The clock stops when you get a first down, morons. Who calls a timeout with 18 seconds left? Spike the ball. <laughs> Your field goal kicker is 8 for 8 for the season. Loser. That was an all-time choke Thursday night by Memphis. Yeah. Jimbo and the play that he called. That's from Hutch. Rough. By the way, did you see Andy Staples? Uh, he one-upped you? With his catch? Yeah, he caught the, the last pass of the game. Yeah, not one-handed with his left hand. I'm just saying, though. In the most nonchalant. It didn't, it, it didn't affect ever. the outcome is what I'm trying to say. And I didn't immediately go, here, Ross, here's the ball. Yes, I'm belittling Staples. Uh, Bobby and Batesville, winner. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins for finding the end zone at least once in every game except his first game. Yeah, he's been good. He's good. How about, I good mean, player. just mind-blowing stuff. Saturday, both in conference games, although Vanderbilt's more like a con game than a conference game. There's only just like, it's like half conference. doesn't count fully. Ole Miss out past Mississippi State. And State outran Ole Miss. I mean, just... Well, I mean, we, we, we were talking about that the, uh, a while back, that, you know, Ole Miss has got the, the last two years had these fleet of elite running backs, and State's become the team that, you know, finds wide receivers catching 100 passes every year. I mean, imagine telling yourself that five years ago. Oh, and Ole Miss is really good defensively, too. That was a glimpse of 2014 on Saturday. Just total reversal. Just total reversal. And I like Marks and Johnson. They're really, really good. But Evans and Judkins, that's a better duo. Yeah, that hip pointer deal that Evans was dealing with, he's not dealing with it anymore. Or if he is, it doesn't look like it. couple more. Winner, Delta State, still undefeated. They are 6-0. and oh. Great stuff. Winner from Kelso, James Madison into the top 25. Oh, yeah, I had another loser. The NCAA for the stupid rules that don't let teams be eligible for the postseason in their first year in the transition to Division One. James Madison ranked in the top 25, undefeated, not eligible for a bowl game. How stupid is that? Losers, NCAA. Things happening here in the state. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
we spent a bunch of time on Mississippi State and Arkansas. Let's talk a little bit about Ole Miss and Vanderbilt from the weekend. The Rebels get the win over the Commodores in Nashville. Final score, 52-28. So I was thinking about the way the game unfolded. And, And I don't even know that we take the score exactly into account at halftime. It was 20-17 to 17 at the half. Ole Miss scored the touchdown with 18 seconds. Uh, that's not right. With 21 seconds left in the first half to make it a three-point game. And whatever level of concern you had about the outcome of the game ended right there. I mean, you weren't worried that Ole Miss ultimately was going to win the game. You probably were worried a little bit about how it might look. So, given the fact that in the previous two games, Ole Miss had scored only three points in the second half, I present this scenario to you. If Ole Miss played the second half that it played against Vanderbilt on Saturday in the first half, and they played the first half that they played in the second half, would you feel differently about Ole Miss today than you do given the way the game was played? Is that... Am I asking that in a way that makes sense? That that makes sense because then you would be talking about uh, going from habit to trend to who you are. Third straight game, terrible second half. In in six games, they have only played one complete offensive game. All of the others were good first halves for whatever reason, very, very bad second halves. And the the script flipped a little bit. I, I mean... It's funny, you mentioned the way it felt going into the half. You could see, he didn't say this, but you could tell in Lane Kiffin's halftime interview with uh, Alyssa Lang, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was basically like, yeah, we're good. We're, it's fine. Like, yeah, I'm not worried. <laughs> he knew exactly what was about to happen after that. Look, they slept walked. Didn't, you know, some people call that an excuse. You can call it an indictment on the coaches, however you want to spin it. But very clearly, even if you were watching that game through the clearest of lenses, you saw a team that was not focused, it was not very energized or whatever, kind of sleepy, and Vanderbilt was, and they were coming off of a bye week, and good things happened to them, and you got that really bad interception, and and then talent and scheme and playmakers and quarterback and line play took over and Ole Miss dominated the second half of the game. I don't think it's any deeper than that, really. Now, do you like to come out of the gate slow against Vanderbilt and look the way you did? No. I mean, they had penalties. Here's the interception right here. Just mind-numbing throwing this football. Just That's just a horrible decision, beyond horrible. I didn't see that one in real time. I oh, was attempting was to watch the Ole Miss game. That's a bad one. In like the little corner screen on my iPad while broadcasting another game. So I didn't, I, I kind of caught scores during commercial break. Uh, watched almost all the second half. I, I will say that Jordan Watkins, you see him running away from people right there. He had a really big game. Mingo had a really big game. Well, Zach Evans had a pretty good football game. And, you know, there's been so much talk about Quinshawn Judkins, and I I think it's probably good that you look up and you see that Zach Evans had 81 yards or 80 yards in the game and a touchdown. Always flipped the script a little bit, and here's what I thought was, was really important. 
Ole Miss has established itself as a running football team. Lane Kiffin tells you, you know, those guys get paid to coach too. So if you're playing a team whose identity is running the football, then in terms of building your game plan, if you build your game plan to go out and stop the pass, you're going to let them do what they do well and they're comfortable doing. And so if your game plan is, well, this is what they do well, we're going to do everything we can to slow down or stop that, and then they beat you in a different way, there's a portion where you're like, okay, you you have to kind of tip your cap. And that's what Ole Miss did, right? And they had 143 yards on the ground. That's fine on 28 carries. That's an average of 5 yards per carry, 5.1 yards per carry. That's absolutely fine. Jackson Dart went out and threw it for 448 yards. It would have been fine if Ole Miss had run it for 150 and thrown it for 320. That would have been a good day. But to go out and throw for 450 and run for 150 and have, what, nearly 600 yards of total offense? I think it was important for Ole Miss to prove that it could do that. Yeah, and especially when it's going to get a little bit tougher because Auburn, despite them being a disaster, are going to offer more defensive resistance than Vanderbilt could. Um, I mean, you've got to go to Baton Rouge, and they're a disaster too at this point, relatively speaking. But they're going to be able to line up and slow your running game down. So you have to, to, to stop teams from playing so downhill, you have to open things up vertically. And for whatever reason, at times, Ole Miss could not, whether it be the quarterback shuffling early or receivers not getting open or the inability to hit the deep balls, guys were a little bit more open than they usually would be. Well, and, and, but and he Borky, still he, he looked very consistent throwing the football down the field for an entire game, really, absent, absent the bad interception. But aside from that, vertically, he was great. And part of the reason that receivers were more open, I mean, I know some of it was personnel-based, right? I mean, Vanderbilt's secondary is not very good. They, they don't have guys that can, can cover SEC receivers. No, they've got that safety that's a player, but otherwise. Mm-mm. Yeah, but if you commit to stopping the run, you're going to have fewer bodies in the back end. And if there are fewer bodies in the back end, it stands to reason that you're going to be better throwing the football because there are fewer people to defend it. To me, the conundrum becomes when you're playing Ole Miss now, okay, do you what, how do you do it? Do you a lot fewer bodies to the back end to try and take away the run and make them beat you with the pass? Or do you now have to really respect what Jackson Dart did with his arm against Vanderbilt? And now you've got fewer numbers in the box, which Ole Miss has proven it can run the football. It's a it bit sounds of a problem like the discussion we had. Uh, sounds like the discussion we had a couple, like about an hour or so ago, with Mississippi State. I mean, both of these offenses, yeah, just balanced right now, and they're just difficult to stop. Numbers from the game: Jackson Dart, twenty-five of thirty-two, only seven incompletions. Two of those were to the other team. Three touchdowns, four hundred forty-eight yards. Yeah, that's the thing about him. There's two things: one's bad, one's good. The bad thing is he looks elite nine times out of ten, and the one time he doesn't, it's bad. Like it's a bad mistake. Like 
where is the guy that just, I mean, he was effective and underneath and, and hitting his checkdowns and everything was good, and then suddenly his brain just, like, gets out of his head and, like, leaves his body for a play, and he becomes whatever that was, and then it gets right back in. And here's the positive. After he makes mistakes, so far this year he's been really sharp. Halftime mm-hmm. at Georgia Tech got roasted by his coach on the broadcast and in the locker room and came out and was flawless. After the interception here, what was it, the next five drives were touchdown drives? He is not letting the one mistake become next possession mistake. Or two possessions from now, he's making another one. Or he gets in his head and he's so mad at himself that it turns into five or six turnovers or bad decisions. It seems like he's got a very short memory of his bad decisions. I don't remember them all off the top of my head. That's good for a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. So five interceptions on the season, and I feel like certainly four, but maybe all five of them, you're like, oh, don't make that throw. Like, bad decisions. It's not like they've been competitive interceptions. Yeah. You know, the uh, the interception against Kentucky, that was an underthrown ball with a linebacker dropping into coverage. That was not a great decision. The two in this game – not great decisions. The one against Georgia Tech was not a great decision. It seems like there was one, oh, was it against Tulsa, maybe? I, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. The point is, those are correctable. It, it's not an arm strength issue. It's a seeing what's happening with the defense issue. And he's now made, what, five starts at Ole Miss? Yep. You remember how we were talking about Will Rogers, five starts in? I know how Haydad was talking about him. I vividly remember that. His fifth start was the Egg Bowl. He set a record. Okay, four starts in. Yeah. Um... We just show, we just uh, we just showed the last touchdown on the score. Did, did did Lane have some money on this one, making sure we got the, got the cover there? What just happened? A little mercy, Lane, for God's sakes. He he, he kind of said he wished he had a do over today. Yeah, uh, they had. Uh, a... I I pre- I appreciated. I took the rebels and the points. I gave the points. I needed it. It was like a scout team guy that was in, and he was playing hard, service yeah. team guy, and they give him a chance to score, and he scores. He and Clark Lee had an interesting exchange, and it looked like both of them like were on the same page. And was like, yeah, coach, cool, no big deal, like no problem well, at all. Vandy went for two late. Yeah, and onside and then, kick, and then kicked an onside kick. So it's like, okay, if you're gonna keep playing, we'll keep playing too. I, I just I don't have an issue with that. It looked like neither one of them had an issue either. Like it was a very cordial post game handshake. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back after this. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. And of course, on your supertalk Mississippi station, sports talk brought to you in part by M trade park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. Tons of local activity, but also weekend activity with baseball tournaments, softball tournaments, and soccer tournaments that are happening. The fall schedule 
is in the process of winding down. But before we know it, we'll be doing spring tournaments as well, U-Triple-S-A baseball, fast pitch, and soccer. If you're involved in the scheduling of your team's tournaments for the spring, be sure to make M-Trade Park part of your plans. You can find the full schedule online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Um, Zach Evans, 11 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Quinshawn Judkins, 11 carries, 46 yards, and two touch touchdowns. Jackson Dart only ran it twice. You think that was by design? I felt like... Didn't that, need to. Yeah, I felt like that he was told... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, to avoid injury. Speaking well, of that, by the way, uh, Michael Trigg. Uh, Lane didn't talk about it today, but uh, we all have eyes that that did not look particularly good for his shoulder or collarbone area. And it, great catch, great not catch. a good catch, a great catch, but he went down awkwardly. Um, and people are doing this while well, he wasn't that big of a part of the offense anyway. His numbers yeah. tell you that, but the gravity that his existence. It caused other div- – I mean, people had to really pay attention to him because he is a tight end that can take the top off. And, you know, maybe he the, – the freshman is a guy that can do that, like in terms of route running and speed, but he's got a long way to go on the other aspects of, of being tight end. It's a big loss regardless of what the stats say. Yeah. Completely agree with that. Completely agree. Um. Kari Coleman played but didn't play much. Is that right? Yeah, we got the yeah he he registered a tackle, uh, but they no they did not play him much. But that was okay. a, obviously here here breaking news. More at eleven. Uh, a player getting back healthy and playing in the game is good. That's why we get paid the big bucks. Ray Davis is a good running back for Vanderbilt. Had one hundred five yards, averaged four yards a carry. AJ Swan, he's got a bright future playing quarterback. 27 of 38, 281 yards, couple of touchdowns in the game. Will Shepard's a really good receiver. Had nine catches for 87 yards. He kind of stopped there, right, though? I mean, when we talked about Vanderbilt last week, we, we talked about those three, and those three guys played well. Yeah. With all due respect to Clark Lee and his program and what he's trying to build, I I, I really like him and the way he conducts himself. And, and there were some Ole Miss fans that were bothered by the fact that he didn't take starters out and was going for two and stuff. And I thought he's trying to teach these kids how to not quit before they can win. Like it, it, that's culture building. It's guys, we've got time on the clock. We're busting our you know what until that clock hits zero. I don't care what the score is. That, that's teaching a lesson. But either way. I like him, and I like his program, and I want guys like Will Shepard to stay where they are. But we know how college football works. And if, if you're an Ole Miss or a State fan listening to this, you have players on your team that are currently getting tampered with. Call Will Shepard's high school coach. <laughs> Get that kid on your team. He is a player. And for a freshman to be that good? Yeah. Ask his high school coach what's up. See how much he actually cares about that Vanderbilt degree. You might as well. People are doing it to you. Well, and you can bet that Ole Miss and Mississippi State aren't the only two that would benefit from Will Shepard being on their football team. No way. There's some teams that would benefit from A.J. Swan, the freshman quarterback, being their quarterback of the future as well. (laughs) 
Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you hope those guys stay. It, it's hard not to like Clark Lee's. Felt like they had a pretty good game plan going into uh, into Saturday, especially coming off the open date. Vanderbilt is better than it has been, period. Definitely. But there's still a gulf between Vanderbilt and the rest of the SEC. Yeah. We will start the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix. We'll look at the uh, the rest of the SEC. I- I'm going to be with you for the first segment of the 5 o'clock hour, and then Hey Dad and Borky are going to carry you the rest of the way. Uh, we got game one of the uh, flag football season, and this is, uh, like, I-, I think the only maybe one or two games that start at 545. And as the uh, the head coach, Hey Dad, I-, I have to be there. Well, yeah. Are you sure? Don't wear shorts. No, I'm not. I I, I will be wearing shorts. Oh, that's a bad sign. Got a yeah, loss sorry. coming. Well, <laughs> I don't Yeesh. think it'll be. If if that happens, I don't think it'll be because of my wardrobe. I don't think that'll be the well, issue. That's why we'll State lost that. to South Alabama. It yeah, was the true, shorts. True story. Yeah. Two hours shorts of the Shorts are a symptom. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll be right back. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. And, of course, you are perhaps, maybe even likely, listening on your local Supertalk Mississippi station. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Check out pearlriverresort.com to see all that's happening, whether it's live events like concerts, the sports book at Time Out Lounge, or the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, all of that. Your connection to it? PearlRiverResort.com. You can be a part of the conversation with us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at Ceasefire.com slash business. Sorry I bored you, hey, Dad. That was a mighty big yawn. Every day. Literally every day when you talk, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to nod off any second now. Uh, It's time right now for the college football fix. Wake up, hey, Dad. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive the F-150. 2023 F-150 starting to come out. You can get behind the wheel of one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You can start your search online at buyfordnow.com. 
F-Series. 45 straight years as the best-selling trucks in America. Let's zip through the SEC quickly. 24-17, Florida over Missouri. Did you watch any of that game? Hey, Dad, you were you were in Starkville. I know you didn't. Borky, did you have that one even on a second screen? A little. Uh, Missouri just doesn't know how to win. Missouri should have won their last three games, yeah. and they are 0-3. I did have that I did have that game on the laptop because I was interested because of the line. I had taken uh, Florida to uh, – or sorry, I had taken Missouri in the points, and I was just trying to keep up with it. So, But he's right. Missouri could have easily won their last three games and be talking about, wow, what this Missouri team, what a great story. Instead, they've lost the last three games. and It's probably going to be like that all year. They're blah. Also, never yeah, want to hear not good enough. another word about attendance. After, after some of the it, – it wasn't just Gainesville because I know – what, a couple hours south is where a bad hurricane hit, but that's not why there were 10,000, 20,000 empty seats in the swamp. Uh, Alabama and the upper decks behind the end zones had clear, visible rows of seats that you could see. Attendance and making fun of anybody for attendance, done. You know where you're not going to see an done. empty seat this weekend? Knoxville. <laughs> Ooh. I thought you were going to say Oxford. As as of this morning, I saw that they were inside of a hundred available seats. So needs to be a sellout, and that'll be a bigger Ole Miss crowd than you had for the Kentucky game because Auburn's not bringing as many people as Kentucky brought. Well, if they do, they'll be wearing powder blue, saying "Please beat us, so we can fire him." Perhaps. <laughs> um, war, right. war toddy, something. So, so, so Tennessee LSU. I honestly think this final score is about where it should be, right? So, so LSU gave some things to Tennessee, right? They, they fumbled the like opening kick. Is, I feel like this final score is generous to LSU. Well, I guess the point I was going to make was this: forty to thirteen is domination. Yeah. Um, LSU. Has the the muffed opening kick, so short field Tennessee kicked, but but Tennessee didn't they miss a couple of field goals? There were a couple of times they had to settle for a field goal where they didn't get in the end zone, and so I almost thought it kind of balanced out. Like Tennessee shot itself in the foot a little bit, and so it could have been worse. But LSU actually gave them some things that could have made it a little better for LSU, and so I thought in the wash, forty to thirteen, and really not feeling that close was kind of where this game needed – it made sense to me. Yeah. LSU, you know, we're thinking, okay, we had the bad loss at the beginning of the year. Now we're, we're rolling a little bit. Now, no. They, they got real issues, and it's going to be a push for them to get to, you know, seven wins. Yeah. They, and it's not just that they're banged up, which they are. I mean – offensive line play was a concern before they started getting hurt there. And they can't run the football. But they're sloppy. It's not just lack of talent. No, they're not well coached. They don't look well coached. A very undisciplined football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not very good. He's, a, he's another one. Now, I think his situation's not as dire as Venable's. No, because we've seen Brian Kelly win games before. But again, this is LSU. They'll take one year of being down. Two? No, no, you don't get that. Uh, speaking of crowds, I'm still mind. I mean, I, I, I guess I shouldn't be 
big excited fan base, first time that they can go to LSU in over a decade. But that is as close to taking over Tiger Stadium as you can get. The Georgia game a couple of years ago was like that yeah. when when Georgia hadn't but been same, in Baton Rouge. Same and, scenario. I don't know. Same scenario. Exactly. It's the same exact same scenario. Excited fan base. Haven't been to Baton Rouge in a decade. We need to go. Forty-two to ten, Georgia over Auburn, and Georgia oh, never late really. They, they did cover. Um. Auburn's, Whew. they're bad. They just they can't do anything offensively. I mean, it, it, football starts with the premise of you got to score points. You can't, you know, you, you can't just rely on you know shutting everybody out. They can't score points. They don't have any quarterbacks. That's the, that's the end of the statement. It's what else can you say? Yeah, it's absolutely a problem. Stetson ben, uh, Bennett had what a. 67-yard run in the game, and it was like the seas parted for him. He just kind of ran away from everybody. Uh, 64 yards on the touchdown run for Stetson Bennett. Georgia ran it for 292 yards, threw it for 208 yards, and they were able to just kind of do whatever they wanted in the game. All of Georgia's touchdowns in the game, all six of them were on the ground. And Robbie Ashford throwing the football 13 of 38 and the big touchdown pass, what was it, a 62-yard pass to uh, Jarquez Hunter? Wasn't that a swing pass he caught and then took it a long way? Yeah, that was it. That was the only touchdown pass in the game for Auburn. Um, Jarquez Hunter is a prime transfer portal candidate to come back to Mississippi to either State or Ole Miss, or maybe even Southern. But he's good enough to play somewhere else. No offense, Southern. But he won't be at Auburn next year, I don't think. Uh-oh. You're going to become me. Twitter's going to come after you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, USM fans. South Carolina 24-14 over Kentucky. Clearly the absence of Will Levis matters, but there are more issues for Kentucky than just Will Levis. Yeah, that was more than just missing your your starting quarterback. They played terrible. And what you talked about with their offensive game plan, I mean, you can't go into football games like that you got to have a plan ready to score points from the first snap of the game. And an offensive quarter, look, if you told me Stoops said that, okay, he's a defensive guy and maybe you know he's being conservative. When the offensive coordinator tells you that, that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. He said And now they're talking about the... Levis has turf toe? That's He's not playing this week if that's the case. He said coming out of the locker room that other than the, giving up the touchdown in the first half, the game went exactly how he was hoping. They were down seven to nothing. Well, here we go, real quick uh, from uh, my friend John Hale. Uh, says Mark Stoops said Levis did practice today. Still calls him day to day. Okay, but it, getting him on the practice field is. is and what big. Will Levis told Jordan Rogers in that little mic'd up segment on on Saturday night that he was going to be good to go this week. He's going to whatever play. that's worth. Yeah. Now. Uh, State's favorite, and they should be. I, I think they're going to win the game with or without Levis. But I, I have noticed that there, there's a lot of uh, overlooking from State fans of this game. It's not going to Lexington and winning this game will not be easy. If it is easy, then the conversation shifts dramatically. But that's not an easy place to go win football games, and this is not an easy team to just go beat. It, it won't. It won't. Don't expect it to happen like that. The other side of that coin, though, is that why is Kentucky ranked? That's a good question. Why are they ranked? They have no reason to be ranked. 
I overlooked that. They didn't fall completely out of the rankings? Nope. No. So here's your SEC and the AP Top 25. Georgia slides back to number one. Alabama is three. Tennessee is six. They move up two spots from last week. Ole Miss stays put at number nine. Mississippi State, they jump seven spots to 16. And I think Mississippi State's about where they should be right now. Took a while to get there, but I think in that 15, 16, 17 range, based on what they've done, is a good spot. If they beat Kentucky, who is still in the polls at 22, they dropped nine spots this week. They beat Kentucky. Mississippi State should probably climb another three or four spots. Mm -hmm. And then they'll have opportunities to continue to move up. And uh, James Madison also at number 25. Shout out to Kelso. I know he's listening. Yeah, he's uh, he's got to be fired up. So that's uh, a quick peek around. I'm sure uh, Haydad and Borky will spend some more time on Alabama and Texas A&M. As, uh, All wrestling the rest of the way. The rest of the way. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm not overlooking Kentucky, but honestly, it doesn't matter if fans do. True. Just need them to be the team to be ready. I don't see Kentucky being able to stop State, and I don't know if Kentucky can score much on State. This really should be a double-digit win. What I will say about, yes, and look, State's favored for a reason. that They should win this game. Healthy or not, Will Levis, they are so bad up front. What I've noticed about Kentucky is they try essentially to wait their opponents out to shoot themselves in the foot. If State makes mistakes, that's where they'll get beat. If they play a clean football game, I do agree with you. I don't think there's a scenario in which you lose. That's the thing here is Kentucky plays really slow. So slow. But State likes to play slow. They do. State which likes is to play slow. They'll, they'll 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 control the clock. They're happy to to wind the clock down. They like to play time of possession, even though it's a passing offense. I just the the biggest issue to me is this: State the last two weeks has really done a good job of getting after the quarterback, and Kentucky can't block anybody. They can't block anybody, and so this the state defensive line is. I feel like they're just going to feast. Possessions will be at a premium. No, for sure. Yeah. So if you force Levis or, or Kentucky into mistakes, that's that's ask Ole Miss. That's what beats them. If they Four are the turnovers ones making, last year for Kentucky, yeah, in this game, three picks from Levis, and, and that'll be the difference. Here's another one. Amen. I'm a Vols fan, but how did Alabama fall to third in the nation without a quarterback? But Kentucky is still in the top 25 with a loss against South Carolina and also one against Ole Miss because these polls so, are dumb. Yeah. That said, we haven't talked enough about Alabama, Texas A&M. No, let's do that right now. We need to jump in. So, my question is this. Was that just the last punch 
for Texas A&M? Was that their haymaker and they got nothing left in the tank and they're about to really fall apart here? Or did we see something that's like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna they got a bye week this week. They can beat South Carolina in two weeks, regroup a little bit and become a team that's a little dangerous in the second half because they're playing with nothing to lose. It's a good question. Which which is more likely? I think the falling off is well. They can beat South Carolina though, regardless of what ha- just happened against Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. I think they can beat South Carolina regardless of what Saturday told us. Uh, I still think they've got tough sledding though. I mean, Haynes King is not impressive at all. Uh, it's Alabama, so it needs to be graded on a curve. But four turnovers and two missed field goals, and you still lost the game. I mean, how, could you imagine, regardless of opponent, State getting four turnovers and two missed field goals and still losing any game on their schedule? That's just goes to show you that a and I mean, they really played to the absolute maximum of their ability offensively and got 20 points. I mean, when we talked on, on Friday about, or on Thursday with Lee Sterling, because he took, remember he took... A&M in the points and said we put 20 points on the board for A&M. And we were like, how, why, what? I mean, we could not have predicted that Alabama was going to give them four extra possessions. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's kind of their ceiling right now. They've got to find a better way. they got to involve Devon A. Shane more. But I'll give them even... credit, though. I thought I really did think they were going to get folded up like a chair. And thrown out of the stadium, and and they they, they, they didn't. didn't they didn't so I give them that at least. Tim here, somebody says not trying to hate, but how terribly wrong were you guys on the Alabama A and M game? That's not hate. I I'm wrong about sports all the time. In it's sports, wrong. It, it happens. Wrong. Yeah, I, I did not expect it to go down like that at all. Um, I, I'm still not ready because I I did see some people doing the well. A and M's turned a corner. I don't. I just I'm not ready. Again, it bears repeating. Four turnovers and two missed field goals against a backup quarterback. He still lost the game. This was a team that was supposed to be a playoff contender when the season began. And they were gifted four turnovers and two missed field goals with a backup quarterback and still lost. I'm not ready to say that that is a a corner-turning kind of game. But you did see that they have talent on the field. That's never been in question. It exists. Where would we we have ranked this upset if A&M had found a way on that last play? It's way up there, right? I can't even imagine. It's way up there. I mean, you have there's two kinds of upsets, right? App State Michigan is a different kind of upset because we're talking about a group of five teams just came into FBS going to a traditional. That's different, right? So it's not in the same tier with that. But in terms of conference, intra conference games, you're playing a team you play every year. It's way up there, way up there. Zach For me, o- anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Zach and Oxford says they've obviously got the talent, so this is coaching. I uh, I agree. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. We have no not question. released who won the meet yet. Uh, Richard, so Richard took it upon himself to tally the, the results on his own, and it went a little quickly. He's a meat counter. When it was 200 people doing it. Now that it's over yeah. 400, it takes a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah. would have been really easy, like you said, if Vanderbilt had just won. Because we'd already know. But we'll, I'm sure I will go out on a limb and say Richard will announce the winner tomorrow, and you'll find out. And get if you won, you got you, you'll get your, your information and get you, get your meat taken care of. Here's a good question. Who should be more worried, State fans going to Kentucky or Ole Miss fans going to A&M? I think the answer is kind of an easy one. I think it's State fans going to Kentucky. 
But if if A and M comes out n- next week, because that game is three weeks, three Saturdays away. Yep. If A and M comes out, and, you know, takes the bye week, and they come out on the twenty second, and they just blow South Carolina out, and they look sharp. Well, then you can start saying, okay, well, mm-hmm. they can give. A, but I got to see it. I got to see it in a win. I got to see them do things. You know, like I, I can't. I can't just assume it's going to happen. A and M's more talented. Kentucky's better coached. Sort yeah. of. I, sort of. Yeah. They have a better culture. Well, let's put it that way. Hearing what, yeah. hearing that story about the offensive coordinator using game minutes, multiple possessions to, like, kind of feel out their opponent and then start adjust. That that's just bizarre. I, I cannot fathom going into a game with the desire to plan on the fly. I, I, just yeah, it's crazy. Defensive guys can pull that off. I, Manny Diaz used to do that. I, I, I could tell you, his first year at State, State was infamous for they would give up a touchdown on the first drive, and it was almost like, okay, I got it now. And the rest of the game, they were solid. But for whatever reason, defensive guys, I think, can do that. They can adjust a little quicker. Because in reality, de- defense is just go to the ball, find the ball. Yeah. Offensively, I mean, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. And you got to have a plan on top of the plan in case they make an adjustment. You can't just walk in there and be like, "All right, let's see what happens for the first quarter, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll meet up after that." Yeah. I think it's, let's let's circle back to the offense. Yeah, and, and on that note, what started this conversation? Jimbo needs to give up the offense. It's time. He, he has got to. He give does, up the but that's offense. that's. It's not something that can happen right now. Nope. You're gonna have to get through this season, but and then he? you come back and you reach. I don't know. I don't know, man. A lot of coaches are not that way. Not that way. Like, think about, would yeah. Mike Leach ever give up the offense? Never. Nope. Under any circumstances, never. So, it, somebody, a couple a while back when State was struggling offensively, especially last year, they were like, we just, State needs to hire an offensive coordinator. I'm like, what you're saying is State needs to hire a new head coach. Because there is no hiring an offensive coordinator with Mike Leach. You pay him $5.5 million because he is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, exactly. And you know, so He handles that job. So from Jimbo's perspective, in, in his mind, I'm sure it's, I, w- I have a, a ring. I have an $85 million contract. I'm going to keep doing it the way I've always done it, and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It, that, that offense is stuck in 2012 when they won the champion. They, they're stuck in that era. And I was listening to the uh, Mac and Cube Podcast. Richard on our call this morning mentioned something about it. And Cole Kublik, who's a much smarter analyst than I could ever be, said, "You watch A and M, and all season long, there's no motions, no pre-snap anything, no creativity, and then they play Alabama, and all of that happens, and then it doesn't after they play Alabama." He said the same thing happened last year. Why is it just this game? Jimbo decides. I'm going to be creative and give the defense different looks. Why is that not something he's willing to do on a weekly basis? Maybe he doesn't believe. Maybe he believes that Alabama is the only team he can't out talent. Hmm. And that's that's the only explanation I can give you. That he's like everybody else. We're better than them on the roster. We should be able to do what we want to do offensively and defensively. Alabama is like we got to come up with some stuff because they are better than us, top to bottom. And that premise is that's the only thing I can come up with. If it didn't turn to losses, still, because uh, he's had more talent than right, on you would paper think. than every team he's played this year, except for Alabama. Yeah, 
Here's the truth of the matter, Hunter and Columbus. If Saban can change his offense, then Jimbo should swallow his pride also. He's right. The winningest coach in, in the world, who you know he absolutely despises this style of offense, he changed it. Yeah. And all he's done is win more national titles now. Don't tell me you're too good to do it when the best coach in the game does it. Yeah. There was a firing in the NFL today, but it directly involves college football. We'll talk about that when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. It says Borky. It sounds like you yelled too much in New Orleans. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. The dome was rocking yeah. yesterday too. We were way left his voice on Bourbon Street. Yeah, we were way up high, but but good vantage point. We could see everything. It, that's the thing I've noticed about NFL games compared to college. Nobody's too cool to yell for four quarters on every defensive down. Everybody in the stadium is on the same page of, we're here to impact the game. That's what we're here for. We're not here to hang out and shake hands. No, no, we're here to disrupt Seattle. And it felt like it. And so, yeah, I got into it and lost my voice. This Sunday is when uh, Joe Burrow makes his return to the Superdome. Yeah. And some weird, there, there's like weird stuff going on down there right now. So Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints today, had to basically ask the fans to, like, you know, if you love LSU, remember that we're your team and don't come here cheering for Burrow. Because you have LSU fans who have never stepped foot in Cincinnati, Ohio, or the state, or even left Louisiana at any point in their life that are going to be rocking number nines and cheering for Joe Burrow in the Superdome. And that concept, it blows my mind. I I can't wrap my mind around being a lifelong Saints fan going to the Dome and cheering against them because of what the guy did in college. I can't fathom it. So you'll remember a couple years ago when the Cowboys played the Saints. I took a lot of heat. I said, I hope Dak plays terrible. I want the Saints to win and win big. If he throws five picks, I don't care. You know, I don't. Yeah, I am a Saints fan, and of course, a lot of MSU fans were like, "You're terrible people." Well, whatever. So the same same thing applies here. And I, I, I saw that somebody retweeted a, a fan into my timeline. They were like, "I love LSU, love Burrow and Chase. Heck, I will even cheer for Fredrickson and Von Bell. I want the Saints to win by fifty. Good. It's just, it, that's good." That's the way it's got to be. You cheer for your pro team, not the college. Unless you want to make the, you know, and a lot of a lot of Saints, a lot of Cowboys fans now did that. A lot of state fans who were not Cowboys fans became Cowboys fans because of Dak. That's fine if you cheer for the Cowboys. 
I don't have an issue with that. But I, as a Saints fan, will not cheer against the Saints. Yeah, don't esp- care. Especially in, like, going to the game in the Dome, cheering against your team for life because of Burrow. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it, it's insanity. Uh, to to just, you, you appreciate what he did at LSU. You love him. You never forget him. But that that was at LSU. Now he's against the Saints. You can't cheer for him. You just can't. Dak will get his job back, by the way. There is no quarterback competition. I can't help but wonder if the back of his mind, though, he's like, I hope Cooper can lose one of these. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he just needs to he needs to be playing well when he comes back. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Nobody's nobody's paying forty million dollars a year to sit on the bench. He's gonna get his job back, but he, he you know, he needs to play well. Well, we it was mentioned in Winners and Losers. I, I want to talk about Matt Rule, who, by the way, the teaser, if you guys didn't know, was fired by the Panthers, former Baylor coach. Um, but I do want to get your extended take on uh, on prime time and the, the post-game incident where he went in for the bro hug and he was pushed away. And uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. said he wasn't swack and, and he was Dion was disrespectful in the pregame and and all that back-and-forth stuff that happened. Not a fan of, of Eddie Robinson, who, that, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, that's not the son of the legendary Eddie Robinson from Grambling. Uh, so I just want to make that clear. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't like it. You know, Deion Sanders has done a ton, a ton for HBCU football, for the SWAC, for all of these teams in the SWAC. He, he has got the national... Uh, 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 what sort of looking for lens on them, and people people are watching these matchups, and maybe it's just because of him. But the rising uh, tide lifts all the boats, and so you know you're you're getting publicity out of this. You're getting, uh, you know, money out of this. So I, I don't I don't understand. You know, I feel like I really you know I'm not a big fan of you know haters gonna hate. But that's what this feels like to me. It's just somebody is is upset that the the most popular guy is is at this one school. It's not your school. That's what it feels like. There are so many college football fans that, rightly or wrongly, uh, did not know what the swack was until Deion Sanders took the job at Jackson State. Yeah. So it, he's where you know. I mean, the SWAC has produced some of the greatest college football players and, and pro football players of all time. The greatest yeah. running back and the greatest wide receiver to ever play football, in my opinion. SWAC. Ton of Hall of Famers. So, that's on you for not knowing it, but who cares why you know it now? You do. Yeah. You're watching those games from time to time. What cracks me up, too, is so much about Dion and, and Jackson State and how... People are paying attention because of who, or paid attention initially because of who he is, because he's got the gravitas. I mean, it, there are a few people that just have the attention, the way Deion Sanders ha- just commands attention just by being who he is, elite level player, great media personality, all that. His teams are freaking good, really. Yeah, really it wouldn't, good winning football teams, and it's not just it wouldn't matter. because the, uh, Travis Hunter. Yeah, it wouldn't matter if they were bad. He would just be like, oh, look, look at the clown show down there. But the fact that they're good, he's backing up everything he says. Yeah. You know? And, I, I mean, I, I, I'll i say this. I don't think he'll be at Jackson State forever. 
But I do believe him when he talks about you know wanting to restore these schools to, to the glory days and, and, and all that. I, I do believe that. So now eventually he's just going to get an offer he can't refuse. Maybe it's to go back home to Florida State, or maybe like when we talked to Ari Wasserman, he put strings together a couple more dominant years, and, and somebody like a Texas or an Alabama is like, you know what? It's 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 not even a risk. You know, you might say things like it's it's worth the risk. If the guy has four straight seasons where he's just dominant and he's recruiting at that level at Jackson State, that's not a risk anymore. That's yeah. just his resume. And, and if you so, look at his staff. And the people that are helping his team, you're telling me that he couldn't build a staff at a big-time level? You're crazy. But either way, um, somebody says, not a fan of his antics either. Yes, he's done a lot, but causing drama for zero reason is dumb and everything in life, and I cannot be okay with it. It's called professionalism. Y'all will hate on Jimbo or others for doing the same thing. But what did he do? What did he do? What did he do? Didn't shake hands drama in the 53 game? That's... What did he do here? And the guy who who shoved him is causing the drama. All he had to do was shake his hand, give him the bro hug, and walk away. And you don't have to shove. Just and nobody cares. Good. And and that's it. Yeah. Like yeah. Like yeah. I don't like the hug. Yeah. And the you're not swag post game stuff. I mean, yeah. who who was yeah. the? Not everybody's going to act the way you want them to act. That should not dictate how you act. Let other people... Like, if you let other people's actions dictate how you respond, that's a you problem. But I, I don't know. I just I, I watched this. I, I said all that. He was talking smack the week before the game. What exactly did he say, though, that was so bad? We, we do this too much. We we police athletes and coaches' thoughts. If if he, we're gonna go in there and win. Do you want a coach to not be confident? Would you rather have a guy that's like, oh, I don't know, my my team's not really good. Sure, decorum is a thing that's important, but we're talking about sports here, guys. This this isn't meeting your girlfriend's dad for the first time. This is a game where. 300-pound dudes bang heads against each other for three hours. I don't know. Imagine getting upset. Getting upset that Deion Sanders talked smack. Deion Sanders talked smack, and you're upset. The man made a living doing it. That's the reason his 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 play is, is outstanding. One of the best corners to ever play. Nobody would remember him if he wasn't the, 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 the character that he was. Why? How can you hate on that? How can you get upset by that? It's it's part of the package. It's part of the territory. Well, well that and if my, my dad used to tell me this, uh, and you know, just growing up playing sports, you know, don't show emotion any to your opponent because then they will feed off of it and know they're under your skin. That's what happened here. If you don't like the way he was talking and you respond that way, he got you. Yeah, he won. He won the mental game. Because you're thinking about something other than what's important. I don't know. It just it just doesn't bother me like it does some people. It, it's it's Deion Sanders, like you said. It's it's his brand. It's his, it's who he is. And also, it turns out he can coach good football too. Final thoughts with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi. When we come back.
Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Chris in Iberville wants to know if Auburn has the stones to take a stab at Coach Prime. I don't think they do. You're still in the risk mode in year two or year three there. You're still in the risk mode. Auburn needs Auburn they can't they can't take risks. They gotta get a real coach in there. What's so fascinating about this is one Or it's you freeze, one of the two. Oh, yeah. Well, apparently there's a lot of momentum. But what still what cracks me up about that is they don't have an AD yet. And the job is not open yet. I mean, we all know the deal, and so does he. But everything's talking about Auburn's next coach and who the favorite and who's not and who's in and who's out. And it's like, guys, the job's not open yet, and you haven't hired an AD yet. So aren't we a little ahead? Yeah, but of still. But still. Uh, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. Or at least I hope we will. But Matt Rule got fired by the Panthers. Matt Rule did not work out in the NFL. But he's an objectively great college football coach and program builder. And I put something out on Twitter earlier and got a little bit of feedback. And all I said was, because there are a lot of Auburn people that want Hugh Freeze. That's who they want. Some of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them influential. Oh, you're going to get some feedback, all right. (laughs) And I said... Very simply, if you are down to two choices, and those are Matt Rule and Hugh Freeze, that is a very simple decision, and it's Matt Rule. Now, he's got a massive buyout, $40 million buyout, but here's the thing. Ross Bjork isn't leading NFL contract negotiations, and he's got a mitigation clause, so any job he gets... That salary comes out of the buyout. That's how it should be. That's how Matt Luke should have been. But I think Ole Miss is still paying him because of Ross Bjork. Uh, either way, uh, so that will go away. So he either has to not coach and get his $40 million or coach and sign a contract for bigger than $40 million. But he, he can't just take his money and hang out for a year and then go coach and keep all his money. He's got a mitigation clause. So whatever salary he gets in coaching goes against his buyout. So I imagine he still is going to want to coach. Because you can say Auburn, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and they give you a $70 million contract, and boom, suddenly you've got $30 more million. Kind of works out in his favor. But I think all three of those schools, and whatever other job comes open, would be insane not to vault him to the top of their shortlist. Or near the top of their shortlist. He is the top candidate for every decent job in college football this year. Until he comes out and says, I'm not interested in coaching this year, he is he is number one on every list of every team that's going to need, you know, obviously not, you know, I don't know if North Dakota is going to be hiring, but reasonable jobs. Nebraska, like you said, Auburn, Arizona State, they they would be wise to, to reach out. Yeah, we have uh, one text here, Matt Rules, who I want as an Auburn fan. That, it, one, I like where your head's at. From the Ole Miss or State fan perspective, Matt Rule at Auburn would quote-unquote scare me. Mm-hmm. 
because I think he would win. And the thing about Matt Rule yeah. is there's not because the Hugh Freeze comparisons are going to come up because he's going to be a candidate for the job and his agent's Jimmy Sexton, and so he's going to be on all the articles and shortlists and all that. There's no baggage. There's no baggage. Yeah. None. You get an objectively great football coach without the worry, without the fear of mm-hmm. he can't handle it and it'll implode again like it did at Ole Miss. I think that's a slam-dunk candidate, and that would... If, as, if you're an old Mr. State fan listening, Matt Rule is the candidate that I've seen for Auburn. Realistic candidate from all the, these people that are covering it and putting names out there. Baylor's offensive coordinator is now being named as, as a, a hot name. Forget that. Matt Rule's the guy that would scare me. All the other ones, eh. Fair. I just interested. If you're rule, do you want to spend the next five, six years against Saban? Or do you want to go somewhere else? I'm sure he believes in himself, but that that is a talking point. My preferred destination would be Wisconsin, if I were him. But I don't think Wisconsin's Wisconsin's going to hire internal. That's that's kind of foolish, but oh well. Wisconsin over... What job would you take? Wisconsin over Auburn. Which job would you take? Do I want to win national championships? Or am I just interested in being secure? Um, He strikes me as motivated by winning. Auburn. They would be insane not to not to try. The job's got to come open. No, they'll call. And yeah. uh, Auburn has... Needs to come open this week. we got to get this, this interim coach success story continuing. Sounds like Auburn's... If I had to guess, they're waiting for the bye. They're waiting for, they assume that Ole Miss is going to beat them, and so they will fire him before their open date. And they'll move like on. That. I like that. Kind of feels like that's how it's going to be. Anyway, we'll talk about this and a lot more tomorrow. Lines, we'll talk to Luke about Southern Misses, lost to Troy, and a whole lot more with you tomorrow. For Richard Cross and Brian Head, I'm Michael Bork. You all have a great night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.